Hello, everyone. I wanted to start this episode off on a more somber note. Uh, Samantha and I recently learned that we have lost one of the five. Uh, Listener Carol uh, recently passed away, so we just wanted to thank her for all of her support, and this episode is for her. Friends and enemies, it's time for Perhaps It's You, your favorite Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. And I hope our sound is okay this week. I feel like it's my turn to apologize for my sound last week because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) And I don't know how people record podcasts remotely. Like so many of them do it like normally. Not even during a pandemic. And hats off to all of you because it's really difficult. Yeah, I have even more respect for that. And I've also, like, we need a producer. We need a sound engineer. Like, what? We're the talent. We're bringing the vocal stylings to this. (laughs) We can't figure out all this tech mumbo jumbo. It's really true. We didn't even know that we could turn the volume up on our mic until Mac told us. So clearly we are not cut out for that side of the business, uh, but we're doing our best because this is a low budget operation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that person who said that we have never really done anything. I mean, were they wrong? Are we qualified to do this in any way? No. But they weren't, like, totally right either, because we are still making a podcast. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, that's true. I just, I mean, I respect that we come from this, you know, with nothing, and we just did it, and that we're still still doing it. Also, we don't, we still don't know if that review was talking about our podcast. (laughs) Unlike a review that we received... (laughs) This week that I know Liz is dying to talk about on the show. Okay. I thought I was very clear that we only accept five-star reviews. That is our rule. That has been our rule since the beginning. And you, dear listeners, have really followed it. Even when saying that uh, this is the show for you if you want people complaining about the thing you're supposed to like. That person gave us five stars because they followed the rules. So I was very disappointed this week to see a two-star review titled Horrible. <laughs> they, and the, the whole review was just, their voices and commentary are killing me. That was it. Honestly, considering we're killing this person, two stars seems kind of high. I am desperate to know how we earned that second star. Are they, are they, are they happy for the sweet release of death? Because our Maybe. podcast is that horrible that they're like, you know Maybe. what? Two stars. I'm happy I'm dying. I really. That should have been the subject. I'm happy I'm dying. P.S. This podcast is terrible, but that's good for me. I long for the sweet release of death. <laughs> like that, I, I would have understood, right? This horrible two star. What do you say for a one star review? <laughs> brought hitler back from the dead i don't how could it be worse than okay our voices and our commentary that's the entire fucking podcast so the entire podcast is killing this person but we still got two stars (laughs) i found all of our bad reviews and complaints funny which is a great defense mechanism i guess 
because I think look honestly, if this had been the first review we got, I probably would have cried. But now my ego has been so inflated by our listeners and all the nice reviews that we've gotten over the years that when I saw this, I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. That, first of all, I'm glad this person's dying. And also <laughs> <laughs> that they would still give us two stars. <laughs> and then our friend Kara made this great meme of Britney Spears singing their voices and commentary are killing me. And we have, I may have we ordered stickers. <laughs> I ordered stickers of that meme. Um, yeah, I, I can't. If you're if you were going to start a podcast or maybe some other sort of creative venture that will uh, you will inevitably get some criticism, right? Like you, it's impossible to make something that literally everyone likes, and that would be a, a weird goal, in my opinion. Uh, I can't think of better advice I can give you than to take whatever negative feedback. You get if you don't feel that it's valid, if it's not something that you you would like to like address and and grow from, take that stupid criticism, put it on merch and sell it. <laughs> take that hate and turn it into cold hard cash because then it won't bother you. You know the other thing that I really appreciate is the negative criticism we've gotten has been very marketable. Joffrey, <laughs> Joffrey to Joffrey's credit. Did, he did not leave that criticism in a review. He emailed us. So that's true. Which he I really thought he really thought he could get through to us. I appreciate. He really it. thought calling us cackling hens <laughs> would I, change my laugh. I, that's not even something you have control over. The cackling has to stop. Was perfection for a tote bag. And honestly, now their voices and commentary are killing me very marketable i'm very i'm in a way appreciative because this is something we can put on merch and people will buy it my friend brian who drew the robert stack coloring sheet for us once said it sounds like women talking wtf and i went oh that's what i want on a tote bag that is a great summary of not all but most podcast criticism I think can be summed up with, it sounds like women talking, what the fuck. <laughs> so I've already emailed the place that made our last set of tote bags <laughs> to see if we can get some, it sounds like women talking uh, tote bags. Realize this is not business as usual, right? I don't know when those will be available, but we will take this and make money off of it. <laughs> and this is not an invitation for more criticism that's marketable, unless you put it in a five-star review. Just so you know. Yeah, that's the only, if you would like to send that our way, the only way that I'll look at it or be interested at all is in a five-star review. Otherwise, that goes straight in the spam folder. Like, no thanks, Joffrey. Um, Well, I just, I'm happy to know that that person is dying. They're on their way to their grave Mm -hmm. and our voices are taking them there. So I mean, these are dark times. uh, And I think that has brought out some some gallows humor in people maybe i really like the new meme of the dancing ghanaian pallbearers <laughs> which if you don't know what i'm talking about look it up it is these this real guy in ghana started a business where for your funeral you can hire him or other people from his company to be the pallbearers and you can either ask for a somber procession or a or a choreographed dance procession uh, depending on the tone you would like to set for your funeral. So they will like 
carry a casket and dance with it on their shoulders, which I think is amazing and I would love to have at my funeral. So I just keep picturing my voice as the pallbearer <laughs> dancing this person to their grave. And that makes me very happy. Yeah. I that's mean, not that's the honest truth of it. <laughs> Let me work on changing my voice. What? Yeah, that's like that's not a see, that's what I mean by it. it's not a valid criticism. That's not something to like reflect on and address and be like, oh, you're right. Like maybe I shouldn't have said that, or maybe I should like look into such and such more. You know, that's not something I can improve or do anything about. My voice is my voice. And our um, commentary, I don't know what about our commentary is killing this person. <laughs> I mean, maybe just all I'm... of it. I don't know. That's that is the whole podcast. We're not like reviewing <laughs> episodes of Unsolved Mysteries on in podcast form. Like, is that what you were looking for? Because it's not that. It's it's literally commentary. <laughs> I think some people would like that, but we don't own the rights to Unsolved Mysteries, so there's there's no way we could provide that for you. I get a, a, a cassette player and just stick it in front of your tv and record it like i used to do with the x-files <laughs> and then you can listen to it in the car like a little audio play if that's what you want uh is there any other updates i haven't i know everyone's been waiting for my latest animal crossing update uh oh sure yeah <laughs> thank you listener uh bruce for inviting me to your island and providing me with a mystery solving outfit i now have a trench coat and a <gasps> detective hat to wear in animal animal crossing in, in addition a lot of other stuff he sent me some house plants really appreciate it my house is looking what? great uh yes i have a, a trench coat uh looks very sharp i i am so jealous I've said this before, but if you're if you're playing Animal Crossing New Horizons and you want some friends, there are people in our Facebook group who are looking for friends. So there is a thread. Go to our Facebook group. Find some friends in Animal Crossing. It's honestly the only thing keeping my sanity intact right now. So I'm enjoying it. And folks are really helpful and having a lot of fun. So Do you only wear the trench coat at night? I have so Bruce also gave me a magic wand and taught me how to use it where you can like change your outfits. And so I have a specific mystery solving outfit now, which includes the trench coat and the detective hat. And I put like some pink boots with it and I've been switching back and forth. It's very fun. I, I saw some game. meme on Twitter that was like, I change my outfits in Animal Crossing more than I do in real life now, which is a mood. It's very true for me. <laughs> I'm always changing up my outfits now in Animal Crossing. In real life, I have my daytime pajamas and my nighttime pajamas. And sometimes the two blend together. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. Thoroughly enjoying. Well, I want to remind people that we are in the very beginning stages of creating a perhaps it's you zine. So if people are interested in making some fan art or writing something or we're creating a crossword, I don't know, uh, the, the, the options are open. Uh, send those over to perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. And if we include it in a thing, you'll get a free copy and you'll get three months of our Patreon episodes. I cannot wait to get my hands um, on that finished zine. I know that we have a lot of creative, cool people out there in the five, so I'll, I'm interested to see what people are bringing in. And yes, I am still working on the Beanie Babies zine with Rochelle. Sure to be a masterpiece. My dog's going to bark. What pod dog is that that everyone is hearing? That is Gracie. Um, Hi, Gracie. 
My husband just came home, and that's she likes to bark at him when he comes inside. A lot like Kurt Pod Dog Curtis. Uh, Curtis really needs to alert everyone of changes, mostly if people have come downstairs or have gone in or outside. Gracie is also uh, Curtis's crush. Curtis loves Gracie. Curtis loves Gracie. It's very adorable. In fact, if it wasn't for this pandemic, they'd be at my house right now. Oh, which is kind of sad. Oh, I miss those scruffy little cuties. Well, they are very scruffy. They really need haircuts. I saw the photos of you when you took them to the park last weekend, and I was yep. It's like they're like ninety percent scruff at this point. <laughs> yeah, we've had Lenny for three years now. I can't believe it. Wow, three year anniversary. Time flies. I know. Well, I I think by law we have to talk about unsolved mysteries now. Oh, I guess. All right, skippers, this is the part where we get to the mysteries. So, And we are on episode six of season five. Yeah, sorry if my bad counting threw you off earlier. We're now on episode six. At this point, time is meaningless. Okay. Um, and I think I'm first up with a very interesting mystery. Yeah, what did they call so this? Did they call this Psymed? I didn't write that down. No. Let me see. I think. Let me see. The Unexplained? I think it was just The Unexplained. Okay. Yep. We're talking- I'm very jealous you got this one. This one is uh, interesting. We are talking about psychic dreams. Uh, and Robert Stack opens the segment by asking if you've ever had a dream so vivid you thought it was real. Yes, Which, for sure. I mean, lately I've been having lots of them. Um, so we are talking about three different instances of psychic dreams, or three different group people or groups of people that have psychic dreams. We start off with a man named Glenn Lonnie, who is a professor in New York City. And in 1972, he claims that he had a bizarre and vivid dream in which he was uh, driving... Um, on an unfamiliar road and he approached a bend in the road and a car driving in the opposite direction with a trailer attached uh, suddenly lost one of its wheels. The the trailer lost one of its wheels. And he says that in this dream, uh, which was very vivid, and he says he normally doesn't remember the details of his dreams, but in this one, he remembered everything, every last tiny detail, including like the sparks uh, where the tire used to be on the trailer. Uh, the trailer was now creating sparks. He re- remembered that very vividly. On the other side of him, um, there was a cliff. So he was afraid when he saw this tire coming at him that if he swerved off the road to avoid the tire, he would go down the cliff and die. And he remembers in his dream thinking that he needed to speed up to avoid death. And he woke up in a cold sweat. He thought this was a very unusual dream because he normally doesn't remember his dreams. Um, do you normally remember your dreams? This is something I was wondering. I'm always curious no, about. I don't really. Um, what helps if you want to start remembering your dreams is if you, when you wake up, you write them down right away. I've, and if you I've get in, in, a, in a habit of doing that, you really do remember them better. Um, and I used a very long time ago, I used to do that and I would have a better recollection of them. But now if I don't, just like the guy said if i don't talk about it or like think about it in the first few minutes that i'm up i really don't remember and unless sometimes some sort of deja vu kind of reminds me later like oh yeah i you know just had a dream i was doing this but generally would you say you're you're psychic dreaming in those in those instances no (laughs) no there is a 
I might have already told this on the podcast, but there is a piece of family lore in my family about a psychic dream, which is that my great aunt or great great aunt had a dream before the stock market crash that caused the Great Depression to take all of her money out of the bank. So oh. she did. They were living in Illinois. They went to the bank. They took out all their money, like the day before the crash. Uh, got a tr- got a trailer, drove down to Florida, and like lived off fishing and their orange tree during the depression. <laughs> that is wild to me. I cannot imagine having a dream and then acting on that dream in such a dramatic way. I know, but it it kind of worked out for them, and so it's something I've always given some interesting some credence to. So she may have had a psychic dream. Okay, so. Uh, Glenn Lonnie thinks that he, this was a psychic dream because a few months later, um, he was in a car on a business trip driving. He was driving and he was with a fellow professor and he suddenly found himself on the same exact road and he recognized it immediately as the road from the dream. And he even told his passenger, I there's a car that's about to come around the bend and it's going to lose a wheel and if i don't speed up we're both going to die which was probably an alarming thing for like i assume these like professors are generally pretty logical down-to-earth people and i have a (laughs) i just wonder what went through his friends head at that time but then a car comes around the bend and a wheel does come off and go straight for them um, See, what I don't understand about this is when he realized he was on the same road and was positive what was going to happen. Why didn't he pull over and stop the car? See, I'm not sure. The only thing Why I did he tell his friend that instead of just stop and wait for that up- car to go by? Yeah. This is, yeah. A, this is another mystery. I have no idea. The only thing I can think of is that in the dream, he sped up to avoid the car. And so maybe he thought that's what he needed to do in this situation. I, I feel like he thinks no that it's like faded. Like he can't avoid it. Maybe and it's like if you really think that there's going to be this dangerous thing, maybe don't drive there for a little bit. <laughs> maybe Make up some excuse and pull over rather than stop. make this this bizarre proclamation to your friend, which I mean, it's wild that then that happened. Like that would be very cool to see. But I, yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah, it's a little strange. And that's all we get from Glenn Lonnie. I will say Glenn has a mustache. It's uh, oh, yeah. it's a bit of a thin gray mustache. There's a lot of mustaches in this episode. I think. No, I didn't draw that one. Mm-mm. That one didn't rate. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so this now we transition to we meet a psychologist named David Ryback and his wife, who have studied um these unusual unusual cases of psychic dreams, and they kind of go through you know things that they have discovered like. Folk, like sometimes they think that psychic dreams run in families. So Liz, maybe you're going to start having psychic dreams because you're great. Maybe, maybe I already had them. do. Um, I think they were writing a book about psychic dreams. I'm not really sure, but we go to a, another story. Uh, this is Rhonda and Roxanne Anderson. They are a mother and daughter who both claim to have psychic dreams. Um, first we meet Rhonda. Uh, she is the mother of Roxanne. Rhonda Anderson moved to Knoxville, Tennessee in 1980. At that time, she began dating Joe Anderson, whom she later married. Um, she told him that she had psychic dreams, and Robert Sachs says that it's the first test of their relationship, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's that's the first test? I guess. Nothing ain't happened her, before, huh? Her having psychic dreams was a test 
to their relationship, which apparently right. the relationship passed because they got married. Uh, although um, uh, Joe does say that he tends to be a skeptical person. And if he doesn't experience something for himself, then he has a hard time believing that it's true. Uh, so he didn't really believe uh, in the psychic dream thing, but apparently. Yeah, I, I got the impression he thought she was like stupid for saying that it's possible but robert stack sort of cheekily says that he got the proof he needed uh a few months later yeah well you know that robert stack thinks this is all bs well so yeah. he's like oh don't worry he he found out he was way off with base with that <laughs> uh six months after they met Rhonda had a dream that joe had encountered a bear while camping in the woods and joe was camping at this moment um, she had her dream about 3 a.m. She said she woke up like from a deep sleep, uh, terrified that he was encountering this bear. But at 3 a.m., he was in the woods. She had no way to get a hold of him. There was nothing she could do about it, so she went back to bed. Uh, what's interesting about this is that that night, Joe and his camping companions did have a bear come into their campsite and like ransack it. The reenactment for this is fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, Joe- did they get a real bear? There's a real bear in the reenactment. What? I don't know. Maybe they got the bear equivalent of that tiger guy to come bring his bear to the set. But the reenactment is so funny. I'm sure this is not how it went down. Joe and his friends come out in like their boxer shorts and wave sticks at a growling bear and say, shoot, shoot, shoot. Like it's a dog or a stray cat. And it's this giant brown bear, according to the reenactment. It's like, uh, I'm not sure that that's how it went down. But at any rate, there was a bear in their campsite. It like ripped some stuff up. Uh, scared them enough that they decided to leave uh, early from their ca- their camping trip. The interesting thing that happened to me about this segment is when this guy first came on the screen, I paused it so I could sketch his mustache, right? Of course. And I Sketch his mustache, which is very triangular, and I called it the pop-up tent. <gasps> Guess what? They went camping. I didn't know that yet. That's That may have been a psychic premonition. I think I'm a little bit psychic, <laughs> right? How long have I been talking about the apocalypse, everyone? I, I mean, mean, and now it's think about it. the apocalypse, so. Think about it. You could cash in on this. I, this reminded me of an artist that you drew my attention to. Uh, I believe her name is Kristen St. Kate. She is doing this hilarious. First of all, she's hilarious on Instagram. She posts so many memes. She did this thing this last week where she paid psychics on Etsy to draw her future husband. This is apparently a thing on Etsy. You can go on, you can go on Etsy. You can pay someone who claims to be a psychic like $10 and they'll draw your future husband. And she paid three people $10 each to draw her future husband. And it was for a fundraiser. Uh, and it was the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. One of them looks like maybe it was made with like a police sketch artist app. Yeah. So one sure. of them was like stolen art and she got them like their Etsy, Etsy, like take well, the shop down. Because when she asked about it, she was like, so I paid you to sketch my future husband and you sent me this painting, which appears to be by this person. And then they, for a little bit, they tried to pretend they were that person. <laughs> I saw that. This, like, were, this they, like famous artist. They were like, oh, you know my art? And she's like, really? You're claiming to be this person's, per- someone who's selling 
psychic drawings on Etsy. And so, yeah, uh, the lie detector found that that was a lie. (laughs) Anyway, it was so funny. And now she is drawing people's future husbands as a joke. And I think she's donating the proceeds to various uh, nonprofits helping with uh, pandemic relief. It's so funny. I, I what is her Instagram? Chris, Kristen St. Kate. It's like it's Kristen St. Cat. St. Cat. St. Just S T. Yeah. And yeah. And her drawings of people's future husbands, including one that was like a Furby smoking. <laughs> one was that's like, and I do remember this. This like winking cat sticker you would see everywhere in the nineties. Don't know who made that or what that was about. But there's like a sassy winking cat that has a pearl necklace on. You would get us like a prismatic sticker at like a vending machine at the grocery store. <laughs> what well, that was someone's future wife, a cat. She is legitimately hilarious. She's so funny. Her Instagram stories are hilarious. Um, she always finds people fighting over candles every oh, like yes. Black Friday time. People get into these like meltdowns about Bath and Body Works candles. You would not believe. And she is like a, a historian of this <laughs> phenomenon recording people just getting into like screaming fights over bath and body works candles which have it's like people are so passionate about it you would think it was church (laughs) you really would and maybe it is some people's religion i guess it is i guess anyway that was a complete sidebar but you should follow her because because if when she has more psychic husband drawings up for sale someone should buy one for me and samantha yeah what are (laughs) future husband will look like yes and i think she is releasing so you should follow her instagram because i think she is releasing them periodically and anyway she's always posting memes it's so funny um so yes that was uh Rhonda anderson had a psychic dream the part about this story that was not clear to me was at what and i'm not calling Rhonda a liar but at what point Ooh. did she tell her did she tell Joe that she saw this bear in a dream? Because that was not made clear in the episode, whether she's, she talked to him. It did not seem like she answered the phone and said, Oh my God, did you get eaten by a bear? It was seemed like he told her about the bear and she was like, funny. You should mention that I saw a bear in my dream. And I'm not saying she made this up to try and convince Joe that she was having psychic dreams or whatever, but it did seem a little bit suspicious to me. (laughs) I feel like this one is a coincidence. I think that, it wouldn't be that unusual if you were anxious about your boyfriend leaving for a while to have a dream that he got attacked by a bear. Yeah, he's in the woods and there were bears yeah. there. So it seems like yeah. her fear would be justified. That was the other thing that I thought. I was like, this could be a coincidence. Maybe she knew he was a total idiot and would just leave food on a picnic table or something and attract bears. Maybe she was like, that guy's not going to use a bear bucket. I don't trust him to go camping. He's a fool. No, and, and he is a fool, which we will see in the next in the next story. So I think this one, I mean, not that many people get attacked by bears, but I do feel like it's a coincidence. True. So next we meet Roxanne's daughter. And this is where the psychologists tell us that psychic dreams can run in families because she also believes that she has psychic dreams. Um, And her example of this is where her and her mother both had the same psychic dream, which is another phenomenon that the the psychologists tell us about. In which um, Joe got into a terrible car accident. Roxanne describes her dream as seeing like the backside of the car having gone down a cliff. And she said she saw like smoke coming up and there's police officers there. And it was a very vivid dream. And her mom had a similar dream. So they both 
urged Joe to be careful when he was out driving because they believed that there is a, there was a chance that he could meet with this catastrophe on the road. Uh, does Joe take their advice into consideration and drive mm. carefully? Not so much. Not really. He, in his own words, says that uh, he <laughs> was distracted uh, by something on one day while he was out driving and he swerved off the road and it must have been a pretty big distraction because it seems like he just like drove off the road and in yeah down at a least ravine. the reenactment it's very like not a little bit off the road like he just suddenly went whoa, 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 and like completely turns off why i don't know yeah it doesn't seem like a like a rabbit ran out in front of him or something no. he, like he just like I don't know what he was even I'm doing. I'm going to go off the road now. Okay. Have you ever seen a guy be distracted by a hot girl on the street and crash a car? No. Have you? Is that, that's out of a, that sounds like it's out of a cartoon. I've seen that more than once. What? <laughs> the one that's most vivid to me is I was a teenager and I was at this art camp uh, at Northern Illinois University. Uh, I was still in high school. The camp was just held there. And we were all walking down the street from, like, the dorm to where the class was or something. And I can't remember if it was a girl in our group or just some other woman that happened to be walking down the street. But this guy in the car was checking her out so hard that his face was turned completely to the passenger window. And he just drove right into the car (laughs) in front of Maybe that's what Joe was distracted by. I was like, maybe Joe saw a pretty woman with a nice can walking down the road. (laughs) (laughs) And he was, yeah, and he he completely lost focus. What's something I've seen to happen? It's that could be true. (laughs) My my favorite part about this particular segment is one after another, you get Rhonda and Roxanne who said, you know, we really think that the situation could have been a lot worse. We think that because we warned Joe that he was a, that he he was more careful than he would have been otherwise and he, and therefore he did not get hurt in this accident because uh we had warned he him. Still, and then he still did both he still went camping and he still went off the road. No, and then immediately after they say that, you cut to Joe and he says, "Yeah, uh, I was not careful like they asked me to and drove off the road anyway." So <laughs> he did, by his okay. own admission, he did not take their warning seriously. <laughs> and he drove that he did off they, a cliff. They don't, they don't want to think that this guy is a massive hopeless oaf and that there's nothing that can be done. They want to be like he takes our psychic dreams seriously. He respects the things we say and he listens to us. And this guy was like, look, I can't tell you that I saw a smoking hot babe walking down the street because my girlfriend's going to be like real pissed. But that's the reason I veered off the road. <laughs> I suspect that may be more truthful. Okay. We have one more psychic dream to talk about. And it's the psychic Anybody dream. thinks they've had a psychic dream, I want to oh. hear about it. We could include those in our listener stories. Don't think yes. you have to only have spooky stories. Like, I want to hear I, about your psychic dreams. If we could get enough to do a whole episode, seems like a seems like a reach but i would love it yeah. perhaps it's you podcast gmail.com send us your possible psychic dreams or dreams that involved like at least very strange coincidences i would love that like that this bear be- thing yes 
Yes. Okay, so our next psychic dream comes to us from Catherine Webb, who is this very sweet old lady. Uh, In 1942, when she was 20 years old, Catherine Webb fell in love with a soldier named Joe Stewart. This one's kind of sad, everybody. It is a little sad. I apologize in advance. Um, Both of them wanted to get married, but due to hardships in their families, they decided that the timing was not right. They remained friends uh, for several years, uh, but they sort of lost touch. I assume Joe, because of being in the military, had to move away. Like I'm sure there was something like that going on. Um, I almost felt like since they were in love but decided not to get married because of their fa- their family obligations, that the reason they didn't see each other was like it was too painful. It could like have they been. Were, they wanted so much to be together but decided for like these really boring practical reasons that they couldn't, that their their love was just too strong, Samantha. Oh, that's because so sad. She, because she said something that about how they should have they were like too considerate and that they should have thought of more of themselves because in the reenactment she's saying something like both of her parents are sickly and she doesn't want him to have to like take on that responsibility. And I'm sitting there like, bitch, who cares? Let him help you. But they decided that it didn't make sense for them to start a family together. And I, I think they were just they were just too they couldn't just be friends. I mean, that's a very real possibility, because while they remained friends for a few years, um, they eventually lost touch. And in January 1965, at the age of 47, Catherine married her next door neighbor. The next year, Catherine began having a strange recurring dream. In her first dream, she saw several nurses and doctors working on a patient. However, she could not see exactly what they were doing, but she did get the feeling that the dream was about Joe. Uh, she had the same dream a few more times over the course of several months. And then one night, Catherine had a dream that she was in the kitchen when Joe suddenly arrived. It wasn't clear to me in the reenactment. It's like present day Joe, not Joe from like years and years and years ago when they were 20. So it's not clear to me if she like knew him, like if she they saw each other occasionally and right. she knew what he looked like. She recognized him immediately in her dream. But that was not totally clear to me. I mean, that kind of, sense to me in dream logic like sometimes you're ta- it's like yeah i was talking to samantha but she looked exactly like richard nixon but i knew it was samantha it's true <laughs> she was like there was this bald guy in a green sweater but i just knew it was my long lost love it could have been dream logic you're right maybe i'm thinking too too uh realistically about it <laughs> which um, i have not i have not yet had a dream that i was talking to you and you looked like richard nixon but maybe now i will thank god but maybe you'll have that tonight that dream tonight okay so um i only have i only have podcast anxiety nightmares i don't i don't recall uh something a bit more trippy but maybe you know what never say never so there's this reenactment in which joe arrives in her kitchen the actor they get to play this joe guy is hilariously bad she turns to him and she's like joe what are you doing here and he goes i have bad news i'm dead (laughs) (laughs) that's how i'm gonna tell you i'm dead too i'm gonna come to you in a dream samantha real bummer so the thing is no longer on earth (laughs) he's so monotone and just like i'm dead it really is i'm look sometimes you're alive sometimes you're dead turns out i'm dead (laughs) so at this point uh in the dream he takes her to a church in which there is an open casket at the altar. He says that he just wanted to let her know that because of her prayers, he can have a Christian burial. 
I don't know that what doesn't... that means. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I, I, I It would have made sense if he was like, because of your prayers, I can go to heaven despite all of my huge sins. But how would that affect the actual like burial service? I do not know. It's like, I wasn't supposed to be buried in hollowed ground, but your prayers really got through. Yeah. And it no longer matters that I stole all that gold. (laughs) No idea what that meant, but that's what he said. He walks her up to the casket. I want to know what was keeping him out of a Christian burial, though. That would be interesting. I don't know. What was he up to? The thing is, it's probably, like, not interesting at all, but my mind is immediately, like... He maybe he just human fingers yeah he probably just like didn't go to church maybe like he was a christian but he didn't have a church and so they couldn't I find felt like a... her i'm sure that's like important to her and part of her faith but when she <laughs> but because i'm mean when she was telling that part of the story i was like oh you just want credit for praying <laughs> you included in the story so we all know that you pray a lot it's probably true <laughs> you just want extra points at like church and all the ladies will be like, I always saw you on Unself Mysteries. Good job with all those prayers. <laughs> she probably did get so many points at Bible study or whatever. Okay. Uh, so he walks her in the dream. He walks her up to the casket. And she doesn't recognize the person in the casket. But he says that it is him. And again, this actor is like, <laughs> she goes, that's not that's not you, Joe. And he goes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. Here's the thing. <laughs> Like I said, I'm dead. It is me. I'm no more. I've passed on. I've kicked the bucket. (laughs) I'm trying to think of other euphemisms for dead. (laughs) But I no longer walk on the earthly plane. (laughs) And yeah, he's he's this guy is like real chill about being dead. You, You hear tales of ghosts like wailing from the afterlife or like trying to plead with people and this guy is just like look so the thing is they put a toupee on that corpse but it really is me (laughs) so yes what you gonna do this is the dream she wakes up uh she's startled by this but it was so vivid that she thought you know something's going on here um and so she reaches out to joe's sister and brother-in-law and then they they end up meeting up and they confirmed that he had passed away it's kind of rude that they didn't invite her to the funeral in my opinion i guess because they hadn't seen her in so long sure i guess that's true but it seems like you would let her i don't know it seems like she was able to get in immediate contact with them so it seems like either they lived in a smaller town or what whatever like they knew how to get in touch it's not like they could look her up on facebook like they she had her their number yet she was like why didn't you tell me he died and they were like well you wouldn't have recognized the body anyway which uh, you're like that's not really how funerals work first of all everybody looks weird yeah every every corpse i've seen in a casket that doesn't look like them of course it's not they're dead or what if you're cremated you're obviously not gonna recognize like that's not i don't know it was weird to me but apparently they're just trying to make up an excuse because they were like oh you're right faux pas we should have invited you uh the thing is he looked terrible (laughs) Yeah, so you would have not wanted to admit you were in love with him. What an uggo. <laughs> what an uggo. <laughs> I don't know. This woman's real focused on how he looks. I don't know. I'm not saying he was an uggo. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. You calling a corpse an uggo. This guy seemed perfectly fine looking. That's his sister's opinion, not mine. Sure, he was fine, but it'd be hilarious <laughs> if she was sitting across from Catherine Webb and was like, "Look, look, you didn't want to be were, there. He was a real nice ugly of you to see my brother. That was very charitable. But the thing is, we know he wasn't hot. He brought very little to the table. Okay, so what had happened is he had had a brain aneurysm, which in oh the last God. two episodes we've had three." brain aneurysms i wrote this down too does everyone have a brain aneurysm am i gonna have a brain aneurysm because it seems to happen on unsolved mysteries all the time and i it seems bad (laughs) gotta say not a fan don't want one please 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 include that in in your prayers that me liz would not like a brain aneurysm thank you (laughs) please and thank you So he had, it sounds like he was in a, so he had this brain aneurysm the day that she had her first dream, which makes her think that these were psychic dreams. And over the course of the next few months, he was in a coma. And that's why he was an uggo. (laughs) No! He had had wasted away a little bit. I actually think that. (laughs) (laughs) oh man i've really dug my own grave (laughs) no so he was very thin because he had been in a coma for so long and apparently the mortuary put a wig on him so that's why in her dream asked for the family's opinion on that and not just stuck a wig on him (laughs) yes because at the funeral they said that they couldn't even recognize him and that's That's why she thinks that (laughs) in her dream she did not recognize him in the casket well, she also was like, before they told me about the funeral, I was able to tell them everything I had seen in my dream, and it was exactly what it was like. But also, you're right. If this is like a smaller town, then she would know where the funeral was going to be, right? Like, she would know what the church looks like. And yeah. maybe she knew that their local mortician or <laughs> funeral guy does a bad job and puts wigs on everybody, despite <laughs> what the family wants, which seems He's known very for strange. that around town. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you know, Fred, he doesn't like to do hair, so he just sticks a wig on every person. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, that's hilarious to me. It's it's very weird that they, yeah, the the family seems like so disappointed in this funeral. Like it wasn't, that funeral wasn't even worth attending. He looked (laughs) awful. It was not the event of the season like I thought it would be. I mean, I know you're planning your funeral to be the event of the season, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that's true. Maybe I should be more considerate <laughs> that they were disappointed. Maybe that's just how their grief manifested and going, well, it didn't even look like him, so who cares? I sort of think you're right. They were like, ooh, we should have told you he died. <laughs> uh, yeah, you didn't want to be there anyway. <laughs> what an uggo. Um... <laughs> That, that's it. I'm done with the psychic dream thing. I think that was the last one. I kind of think that, okay, so maybe that was a psychic dream. It reminds me a little bit of that concept of ghosts of a fetch, which is when you see your loved ones, like, at the time of their death. Yeah. Like, their soul doesn't stick around to haunt things, right? Like, if I was in a horrible, fiery car crash, and Samantha, like, 
saw me in her backyard and went, well, that's weird. What's Liz doing here? And then got a phone call that I had died, right? That's called a fetch, I think. So it kind of reminded me a little of that. So she hadn't had contact with this person in so long, but I think it seemed to me like she really loved him that when he passed on, he sort of like visited her and then said goodbye. Yeah, I think that's probably true. That's kind of how I interpret that story. I really feel like they were meant to be together, and it's sad that they weren't. It is. It is sad. I wonder if there's an update. Oh, Unsolved Mysteries Wiki says it's unsolved. <laughs> okay. Look, we'll never get to the bottom of these dreams, folks. We just oh, can't Catherine, prove them one day. Catherine passed away in 2008. So. Mm. Not a huge surprise, I guess. No. All right. Well, I have a sad segment to talk about. Listen up, true crime fans. Prepare to be creeped out and bummed out that should be i realize i feel like every possible name for a true crime podcast is out there like i feel like i should just make some up right now and then we should see if they're taken Um, (laughs) that would be a fun exercise okay okay. true crime galore i'm pulling up google um i don't see one okay if anybody wants to call their true crime podcast true crime galore you have to give me five percent of what you make um let's see what else uh true crime prime time this one might be a winner prime time true crime listen via stitcher that's the thing okay (laughs) okay all right let's try one more um true crime all the time it's a podcast you can listen to them (laughs) on stitcher too (laughs) okay so i don't know maybe those podcasts are great that's a wondery podcast i bet a bunch of people know about that one people are like they're like you've never heard of true crime all the time amateurs what about all the time true crime? <laughs> that one appears to not be spoken for. So if you want to because name your it's podcast, too confusing. all the time true crime. <laughs> what about crimes are us? <laughs> okay, I'll try. <laughs> That'd be really great for like toy related crimes. <laughs> this one appears to be available. Okay, so that crimes are us kind of like it. I was I was thinking maybe creeped out, bummed out would be a good uh, true crime podcast title. That's not taken. Oh, this isn't. They just have true crime episodes. There's an animals are us that I thought was about animal crime, but oh. I think it's just about animals, and they have some episodes related to animal crime. Like this is Smuggling. pets, pets that are horror stories. Oh, something about PETA. Okay. okay. I thought maybe well, this was her. about animal crime. And it would be cool if it was animals doing crime. <laughs> you won't believe this giraffe that robbed a bank. I mean, true. I won't. That was, that was a fun game. Is this okay. a true crime podcast? Uh, I'm really just stalling because we're going to talk about this New Orleans serial killer now. And it's a big old bummer sucks okay so we're going back to the october of 1992 um was this a considered a wanted yes so it opens with there's a recycler as they call him the guy is going down the road he's collected cans to like bring in and get the recycling money uh unfortunately for him uh in doing so going through some trash he finds the body of 17 year old danielle Britton, and that was on august 4th 1991 uh, so this road was often used for, like, illegal dumping, and so that's why it was a great source of cans, uh, but also her body had been, like, this is so sad to me, covered in trash. 
Uh, so when he was like going through to pick up the cans, he found Danielle. Um, she lived very close by with her mother. Uh, she had been strangled and possibly raped about 12 hours earlier. So she was found very quickly. And the vet investigation be began head by Detective Elizabeth Wig Wiggington, which sounds like a name from Paddington. And I kind of... Wiggington? Detective Wiggington. Kind of can't handle it. Um, and as she is, like, at the crime scene investigating, a very... This is, like, the only time a nosy neighbor is helpful ever, I swear. This neighbor comes up and is like, oh, did you hear about the attack by here two weeks ago? And there was a very similar situation, uh, but the victim lived. And so we hear from this person, um, they're calling Brenda. Her face is, you know, they do that shadow thing, so you can't see her. Um, but she, what had happened to her is that she was walking down the street. She was going to a friend's house and then a man driving a car pulled over, slowed down. I'm sure every woman knows what I'm talking about. And so he starts telling her that it's not safe and she shouldn't be out alone and she's so pretty and all this stuff. And uh, Brenda, you know, she's got her wits about her. She's a smart person. She's not going to get in that car, right? Well, after failing to to tempt her with a ride, he just gets out and shoves her into the car. He just overpowers her. So it's it's kind of a scary reenactment. And total aside, she's wearing an awesome outfit. I just want to make sure I we bring I loved that up her in outfit. the fashion. It's very chic, timeless. Okay. So he forces her into the car. Um, he abducts her and he takes her to that same place where Danielle's body is found. He tries to he tries to strangle her, her to death she passes out but fortunately thank god wakes up the next day but she's in this alley naked covered in trash and has to like wake up and go find help right but the only reason she's alive is because he honestly must have thought she was dead she assumes so because he was what he's he strangled her right and so that's yeah. why yeah she he strangled her until she passed out he must have thought she was dead because two weeks later, the exact same thing has happened to Danielle Brennan, who is dead, right? Yeah. Yep. So pretty likely that, that that she's lucky to be alive. So they did have a witness, and she's able to describe the attacker to the police. The third victim is named Charlene Price. She's found on September 22nd, 1991, and she's dumped in the same area about a mile away. Um. The fourth victim was found a couple of months later in December, and unfortunately, she has never been identified. She's a Dane Doe, um, and we don't have very much information on that at all. Uh, but she was in her early 20s. And I thought this was mean. Maybe this is helpful, but they described her as having protruding front teeth. I thought that was mean, too. Well, it's like, maybe that'll help us figure out who this was, but probably not. I don't know. I just felt bad. Yeah. So, okay. Then by January, we already have another victim. So, like, exactly a month later, actually, January 14th, 1992, 29-year-old Lydia Madison is found murdered. She is found under the Greater New Orleans Bridge, very close to police headquarters, which, I don't know. You can interpret that multiple ways, that either a police officer is the killer or that it's to taunt the police or that it's not related, right? Depends how you look at it. Um, so the total number of victims connected to this were, was eight. 
and that seven were found within that same three-mile radius as the first case. The killer seemed to strike about once a month, always strangling his victims and leading them nude and face down in or near illegal dump sites. Brenda was able to describe him, so we know that he was clean-cut, well-dressed, about 5'10 with a muscular build. On the night of Danielle's murder, he was seen outside of a bar called the Neva's Rendezvous. And he was driving a blue Regal or a Monte Carlo. So this first aired in October of 92. They were seeking the killer based on Brenda's description. Unfortunately, we still don't know for sure who this is. Uh, And it's possible that these eight cases aren't all the same person. Cool. 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 (laughs) It's so sad. Okay, so this is... I'm just going to read this directly from Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Um, here are the people who are suspected. And hopefully we'll eventually get an update on some of these murders. So this is considered unsolved. From 1992 to 1995, at least 18 more women were killed in the New Orleans area. Local police and the FBI suspect that they may have also been vi- victims of the same killer. Victor Grant, a New Orleans police officer, is suspected in the 1995 murders of Karen Epster and Sharon Robertson, who were believed to have been murdered on the same night by the same killer. A shoe print thread next to Karen's body matched Sharon's shoe. Sharon was Grant's ex-girlfriend, and he previously claims that he had abused her. Um, just an as- aside, that domestic violence is very common in- with police officers, and it's often hard for them to get justice so that kind of kind of adds up he has never been charged and we believe and some believe that the investigators may have covered up his involvement because he was a fellow police officer cool. wouldn't be too surprising cool. in 1998 another suspect named russell elwood was arrested for the murders of cheryl lewis and dolores mack two of the suspected victims who were found murdered february 1993 He was later charged with second-degree murder and suspected in a total of eight murders, which would be including some of the ones that we talked about. In the past, he made several statements alluding to the fact that he had murdered, quote, prostitutes. While in jail on unrelated charges, he described in graphic detail how he drugged and choked prostitutes before dragging their naked bodies away. He later confessed to an investigator that he had taken a black female and placed her, quotes, in the water. It's very strange. Elwood's ex-girlfriend testified that he had taken her to two of his victims' bodies, which is terrifying. He was also found hanging around the area that Cheryl's body was found a year prior. However, he had been seen with her several times prior to her murder. However, investigators later discovered that he was in Ohio at the time of Dolores' murder, so the chases and the charges in that case were dropped. In 1999, he was convicted of Cheryl's murder and sentenced to life in prison. Grant remains a suspect in several of the murders, but he has not been charged. As of 2016, investigators have been working on testing evidence at crime scenes for DNA. Investigators also believe that another suspect in the murders may still be out there who has never been identified. So I think the problem is that it's not clear how many of murders in this area of vulnerable women are actually connected. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's really quite sad. Um, there is more information out about this. Um, one also, but it no one knows is the problem. Does this um, hope- unknown serial killer have a catchy name? 
Like, or are no, they? It's literally they, just referred to by Unsolved Mysteries as New Orleans serial killer, which I don't think it's like. Not that yeah. I like. Not that it needs to have a catchy name, but I was just wondering if there's like, if you're looking for information about this, you, I mean, it's like I would the start Golden State at, Killer or whatever. No, I would start at the Unsolved Mysteries. Look for New Orleans serial killer, and then at the bottom they have some other links. But it's all, you know, it's all just speculation of how are these murders connected? And is since this one cop like might have been involved in in murders of some of the people, like ruling someone out because they're not connected to one murder, should you be ruling them out for all the murders? Right? So yeah, that's tricky. Hopefully, eventually, with the DNA testing and stuff like that, that maybe some of yeah, this will might be... be a thing that um, you know, everybody is twenty three and me will end up solving. I'm having trouble kind of organizing my thoughts for this. It's just sad. Yeah, it really is. And I guess it's mysterious, but mostly it's sad. Yep. All right, now okay. it's time for Samantha. Okay, <laughs> we have a lost love. Uh, sometimes Unsolved Mysteries calls these lost friends. This wasn't really a love, but we are looking for someone. We are looking for, as Unsolved Mysteries Wiki calls it, the savior of James Vernon. Can we talk about his mustache? Can we talk about his mustache? Can we talk Absolutely. about his mustache? I'm looking at a picture of it right now. What did you name this mustache? I'm dying to know. So this mustache is very unique. Very. I've never seen one like it. It is a mustache that keeps going around the lip. As if it would be connected to other ha- facial hair, but it's not. Yeah, it and the stops. way it sort of follows the the bend of this man's face in a way that's very unique. It like curves around the lip, and it forms this strange. It's like he has shape. an outline of his lips, but then it stops when it gets to the chin. Yeah, because and. So- it's not even quite to the chin. It's like just below his bottom, like where his bottom lip yeah. starts. It's just an unusual place to stop a mustache. It's like commit one way or another. Either grow it into a beard. Right. Or right. or stop it at the top. I don't know. And it's it's well, strange. Because I had never seen anything like it, I called it the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> okay. Have you seen every once in a while I go through my the tweets that I've favorited because I I often favorite just funny things. And I was doing that the other sure. night because I needed a pick me up. And a while ago, I favorited a tweet about antiques roadshow memes. And it's the funniest thing I have ever seen. I, I love them. I so love them hard all. where people are just make up weird things instead of what it actually is. If yeah, you I haven't seen these, you need to look them up. They're so ever, funny. If you ever watch antiques roadshow at the very they have little segments like people bring in things they don't know the history of them or how much they're worth and they get actual like antique appraisers to tell them right that's a premise so at the end of the little sec each segment where they uh, you know have evaluated like a sword or a piece of art or whatever a little little graphic comes up on the screen that just tells you what it is and approximately how much it's worth well of course that can very easily be photoshopped to instead of you know saying oh this is a fine aspect of tiffany silver that you put a uh, antique cat piss urine or whatever <laughs> right okay i found i found the tweet read me read me some okay <laughs> so one is 
a man on the left who's clearly the appraiser and then the woman is on the right who clearly brought this hideous coat it is so ugly it's the ugliest thing i've ever seen and the man is sort of peeling back he's touching it he's sort of peeling back the lapel to demonstrate something to her and the description of what it is is coat that if touched loses all value zero dollars to zero (laughs) dollars all right so Times Antique Roadshow is very entertaining. I used to watch a ton of Antiques Roadshow when I was in high school. Me and my brother would, which is also very funny. But anyway, uh, the best ones are either someone brings in something they got at a garage sale for like a dollar and it it turns out it's worth like $500,000, right? Or, Or it's, oh, you cleaned this with Lemon Pledge. You actually took off all the the original patina now it's worthless (laughs) you stupid bitch so yeah i would hate to have the coat that loses all value if so the ones where it's like you know people really end up with something very valuable usually a very excited geek is saying something like i've just never seen one like it that's how i feel about the mustache Yes, and that's a really good name for this mustache, actually. So this is James Vernon. Uh, seems like a nice guy. Has a strange he's mustache. Incredibly nice. I'm sorry we've spent so much time talking about his mustache because he seems like a stand-up dude. He does. So he's searching for a help uh, crisis hotline counselor who goes by the name Libby, who helped him overcome an addiction to drugs. James had been addicted to heroin since he was 16. In 1982, he was living in Houston, Texas, and was struggling with a serious heroin addiction. In the past, he had been in and out of drug treatment programs. Nothing um, seemed to help. He wasn't able to overcome this addiction. He was struggling with it very much. One night, uh, after taking all the heroin that he had, and he said he was just sort of wandering around the streets trying to figure out how he was going to get more, uh, he noticed a billboard for a crisis hotline. He decided to call the number, and he spoke to a woman named Libby. He told her about his addiction and how nobody seemed to care about him. Um, What stuck out to him the most from that first conversation is that she had a very calming voice and she told him that everything is not his fault, that he has, um, that he's sick and that he, uh, you know, he shouldn't blame him. He's not a bad person. That yes, you have this addiction. Yes, you're struggling with it. You may have done some things that you regret uh, because of your addiction, but you're not a bad person. You're sick. And um, he said he just no one had ever expressed that amount of compassion towards him. And it really, really stuck with him. I thought it was interesting that he said something to the effect of that she wasn't patronizing. She wasn't talking down to him in this like moralizing kind of way, like. Um, yes, she, one of the things he said that also stuck out about that first conversation is that instead of talking down to him, she talks to him, which no one had done. Yeah. And that's, you know, unless you've been there, that may not be something you would, would think about, but it's, it's true that I think in his experience, people have been a bit patronizing towards him about this. And she talked to him on a real human level. Um, so she urged him to get help for his addiction, but of course he's seriously addicted. It's not, it's not that easy. Uh, over the next few months though, he continued to call Libby almost every night. Um, she really helped him a lot. Uh, and he at one point was able to move back in with his mother. Unfortunately, um, he did end up stealing a bunch of jewelry from his mom 
tried to make it look like someone had broken into their house, but she saw through that pretty quickly. Um, he basically stole all her jewelry and sold it uh, to, to buy more heroin. And he talked this through with Libby. Um, that's one of the, th- the scenes that we see in the reenactment is him basically confessing what he had done to Libby. Um, and eventually, unfortunately, his, his mother does kick him out of the house, uh, which sort of sends him down another spiral. However, he has an up sort of a things uh, improve for him a bit when he's able to move in with his ex-wife and their son. He once again is trying to to get over his addiction. He's trying to get on a better path, but he does end up um, out of that situation. It's not exactly clear what happens, but he ends up uh, they she moves away and he ends up um, without a place to stay anymore. Yeah. And this is a really low point in his life. Um, he feels hopeless and he wants to kill himself, but he. Uh, so he basically his plan, he said, he, I had a plan. I was going to end my life. Um, I was going to overdose on heroin. He said he would just, his plan was to take it and he would just sleep through it is what he says. Um, but he says that that night he immediately thought of Libby and he said he didn't want to die without telling her how much he appreciated, um, how much she had done for him um, over the past few months. He, he talked to her a lot. And so he decides to call her one last time. And this is pretty dramatic. It sounds like it's very well reenacted. He's literally on the phone. I don't know if it was actually raining when this happened, but it's nighttime. It's raining. It's very, (laughs) it's very dramatic. And it sounds like he was literally on the phone with her taking the heroin. And she, he said that she was screaming his name and trying to get him to stop. Um, And he says, I don't, he said, it's almost a miracle. He said, I, I think I took enough to kill three people, but all I got was a slight rush. Um, So fortunately he is not successful in taking his life. And Libby says um, something that was striking to me. She said, okay, you've tried it your way. Now let's try it my way. (laughs) Try, go back to treatment, uh, try and, and see if you can get help. And it sounds like, this this worked we don't get a lot of the story but he did successfully complete treatment um he was able to become sober uh at some point he you know he was no longer in that crisis situation and so he stopped calling he's you know he stopped calling libby but he never forgot about her and he really wants to get back in touch and to thank her and to tell her that she saved his life um he goes on to get a career to become a, a stand-up comedian, which is is funny. They you- show a little bit of his set, and it's, like, not going that well. <laughs> no. I hate to say it. And I don't know if it's just awkward for everyone because Unsolved Mysteries is their filming. Probably. It's not but- like he was, like, that unfunny, but the audience was, like, really not into it. No. And he must be funny because Robert Stack says that he makes his living at stand-up comedy. So I think you kind of have to be pretty good to make your whole living doing that. Um but he's looking for Libby. He wants to get back in touch and he wants to thank her. And so that's where that segment ends. We do get an update that it is solved. Uh, Libby called the telecenter the night of the broadcast and she was able to talk to James, but she did request to remain anonymous because she was still working as an anonymous crisis counselor. So they were put in touch yeah. and presumably he was able to to thank her and she was able, and I'm sure it's probably true for her and lots of people that do this job, 
you just stop hearing from people and you never know what happens yeah, that to them. that so hard. And I'm sure it's very rare to hear that someone has gone on and that you really made an effect on their life. I'm sure that happens all the time, but you probably don't hear about it. Uh, so it's nice. It's nice that they were able to get into in touch all these years later and he was able to say, you know, I did it. I turned my life around and you were a big part, you know, because it seems like he had people in his life that supported him, but they weren't able to offer him the same compassion and care that she did. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was nice. It was kind of a nice feel good story. Yeah. I liked this segment. I powered Olivia for staying calm in that situation, man. I just really went, wow, I would be really bad at that. Yeah, I would not. I would be terrible. Be able to like, I would be like crying and be like, Oh my God. What am I supposed to do? And they really had a relationship. Like you think of, I think I often think of a crisis hotline as someone you would talk to maybe once. And then if, even if you call back, you might get someone else. You know what I mean? Like like he was calling her and talking to her every night for through this horrible, the worst time in his life. And so they had this relationship and this rapport. And then all of a sudden he's trying to end his life while on the phone with her. And she's screaming at him to stop. Like that's very dramatic. And fortunately, he wasn't successful and was able to um, go on to get into treatment and complete treatment successfully. So I think this this is a really good story to share with other people as well. So I'm glad that there was this mystery like excuse to share it because I think it shows that there's kind of this myth in our culture that people who attempt suicide uh, and don't die weren't serious about it, which is very harmful and I don't really know where that comes from, but it's very ugly and untrue. And I think he absolutely intended to kill himself. And, you know, it's because of Libby and maybe some luck and his own determination that he didn't. But just he had this very intense crisis. Mm -hmm. He had this very strong desire or strong belief, I guess, that there was nothing left for him to live for. But he was able to work through that. Yeah. And so I think it kind of is a helpful example of some false impressions people have about suicide and why people attempt suicide. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I am glad that this, the story was aired. And it's just, well, this segment is well done. Yeah, I agree. It is well done. It's well acted. And that guy seemed um, nice and I'm, I'm glad things went better for him in the long run. And me too. I don't know. Maybe we'll go see his stand up sometime. Okay. We've got one more case, and it is a fraud. And it is people being conned by the the Don the Con Juan that goes Con by the name JD Method, which I couldn't make up if I tried, which sounds just like a lazy DJ name to me. And I couldn't stop thinking that the entire time that you would like be at a, a wedding. And then someone would come on and be like, all right, I'm a JD Method. I'm going to be your DJ tonight. And let's all welcome the bridal party. Uh, yeah, I just... And it's also just, like, not sexy. Like, no, not at all. It's like, JD oh, let me Method. be introduced by this guy, JD. Okay. So um, he was wanted at the time of this segment for... Uh, conning at least 17 women out of their money in the golden colorado area and unlike some of the other romantic swindlers that we've seen he seemed to (laughs) to focus on women who were like not that rich 
<laughs> women that had like a bit of extra money. So I don't, before we even get into this, my like impression of this guy was just like, this is not worth the effort. Just get a job. Yeah, the work reward ratio is a bit skewed in the I was wrong like, direction for this one. The amount of work this guy is putting into these cons to get like five hundred dollars, two thousand dollars. I was like, just fucking go to work. This is no. Okay, so we hear from some of the the women that he's conned. Uh, I think the first one was Peggy Peterson, who he met in 1990 after responding to an ad he had put in the paper. Um, So we see a reenactment of them, like, going on a date, and apparently he was, like, some people are just, like, born talkers, right? I'm not one of these people. I wish. Apparently he was someone that could just, like, talk to anyone about anything, and you felt, like, really included and like he was really interested in you know your interests and whatever so part of that was he was always making these car deals where he was like buying and selling you know that thing where people would flip houses he was like doing that with cars but like not changing anything it was just like (laughs) bringing them to other locations to sell them for more so he like they're on some car lot for some reason which sounds like a terrible date and uh he points out a car and he's like, oh, you see that car? That costs $500. I could like go to this next town and sell that for $1,500 and make $1,000 profit in one day. And she was like, oh, really? So she like she like scampers off and then writes out a check for $500 and is like, okay, let's do it. Let's buy this car. And he just rips, he really dramatically like rips up the check and the reenactment. Like, no, I could never, ever take your money. Well, the very next day. He calls her up and he's like, look, I got this super sick uncle. You won't believe how sick he is. He has this all kinds of sickness and (laughs) all kinds of sickness. (laughs) And he really needs some money for the hospital. But all my money, as you know, I'm a very successful man is tied up in all these weird car deals I do. So I was hoping I could borrow five hundred dollars. And she was like, well, the thing is, just the day before, I had admitted I had, a, you know, $500 to spare. So it was hard to not be like, well, I had that for cars. I didn't have that for your stupid uncle I've never met. But the thing is, so then she gives him the money. And, of course, you know, he never, she never sees him again. Um, oh, no, that's not true. Because three months later, he asked her for almost 10 grand for a trip that was like skimmed over so fast was that even in the episode um yes but i think it was okay this episode is a little long and at this point i was (laughs) kind of zoning out and also there's this this is the first woman of many that they're about to talk about yeah it's true and they're overlapping too like he's seeing some women at the same time as others i do seem to remember something about a trip Okay. I I missed that altogether. I apologize. So I thought that was the whole scam on this woman was for $500. And I was like, is it really even worth your effort? You bought a VHS player? You went home? But apparently, at some point, he asked her for $9,600 for a trip. Well, I didn't know what? it was that much. 9000 In 1990? What kind of trip is that? Huh. That's so much money. Well, obviously, he took that money and never returned, but what? Okay. Anyway, then we move on to another me- woman they're calling Amelia, who met 
JD method in August. And a month later, her son was trying to sell his car because he wanted to buy a pickup truck. So he told her that he could sell the car and for an additional $400, he would get them the truck they wanted, which was apparently a great deal. But then, of course, they just lost their money and the car and didn't get a truck. But again, I was like, was it really worth like meeting and whining and dining this woman to get $400 and a really shitty used car? I don't think so, but... Wow. Okay. So three months later... Yeah, but then okay, but then again, this scam is the same woman. Somehow they he takes the money and the car. They don't get a truck, but three months later, he's asking her to take out equity on her home. I think these are different people. Yeah, I think they are. I'm getting confused by the timeline. I think Unsolved Mysteries has us wrong, and they've skipped to another person that they haven't really identified. They, he's talking to this woman, and he's like get, convinces her to take out equity on her house. Yeah, I think that was a different woman. And this was someone that he was seeing at sort of the same time as the other yes. one. Yeah, yes. I remember that. Because oh, that was one of his scams, was getting people to like take out loans against their house. Another one of his scams was convincing women they needed more credit cards than they really did. Yes. So that he could run them up. Um, and often he would get a promissory note to make the people feel better that he would get paid paid back except he would fill them out backwards so like and if if i scammed samantha out of six hundred dollars i'd be like don't worry about it samantha here's a promissory note that we'll sign to make sure you get your money back except if you're not like super familiar with how those work maybe you wouldn't notice that the note that i filled out actually says samantha owes me six hundred dollars so if then they tried to like press charges or follow up they would be owing him money it's it's clever in a way yeah. So the third woman we hear for, which I swear is really the fourth, is the divorced mother, Linda Weaver. And this was in 87. See, now we've gone like back in time. I don't like this segment. It's not organized well. So they started dating through like a telephone dating service. And he asked for a $15,000 loan to help start up a phony business. That's all the information we get done. There's so much money to give to someone you've just met whose name is yeah. DB. <laughs> like, yeah, whose name is JD. JD like that guy from Scrubs. Yeah. Not sexy. Okay. When his victims came forward about what Method did to them, they went on the run. So the thing with these kind of scams, scams, scams. The thing with this kind of scam is that the victims are often very embarrassed that they fell for it. Uh, you know, your pride is wounded. You think that you're in love and happy and things are going well, and then you realize that you just lost $15,000. But eventually, his victims, I don't know if they found out each other about, about each other or what, but they went to the police. And so this was his wanted segment. He was captured. He was arrested at his home. He was living in Beaverton, Oregon at the time in September of 92, after he had just run a scam on another woman in that town. And we see on Unsolved Mysteries that they see all these, like, 80s leather briefcases and steamer trunks full of, like, papers and fake documents that he would use for his scams. He was convicted of fraud and theft and sentenced to 16 years in prison. He has since served his, out his time and has been released. It's not an interesting one. I don't like it. The only thing I liked about this segment was how excited Robert Stack was to say Con Juan. 
Yeah, he does love that, doesn't he? He really does. That's literally the only. I was confused by the timeline. It was boring. I don't know. Didn't like. Yeah, it. yeah. Well, anyway, that's the end of the episode. Next week we're going to talk about a Halloween one. So that's yeah. Exciting. Next week is a Halloween special. It seems like it's all about ghosts. Super, super stoked. Yay! Um, but is that it's it? It's that time again. I guess we got to rate the episode. Poof. Okay, mysteriousness. Pretty mysterious. Actually, Mostly yeah. because of the serial killer. Yeah, that's still not solved to this day. So, And how many psychic dreams have people had? Uh, thumbs up. I liked it. All right, reenactments? Pretty good. Um, some of the ones from the dreams are hokey. I actually thought the uh, lost love reenactments were super good. I thought they were good. And honestly, that bear reenactment made me laugh out loud. So I'm giving it a thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, thumbs up. I liked it fashion let's see how i feel about this okay there, I mean, was there were a, really a lot of mustaches look. which we do so many mustaches in the fashion category and there was a great outfit on um that victim who survived the new orleans serial yes. killer. so i guess i'm gonna go out with a thumbs up yeah and robert stack um he was in it a lot sta- yeah he's standing in front of some like really old looking medieval-ish doors at some point yeah I don't know where that was. At some uh, point, I wrote down that he says a fake Shakespeare quote. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He, well, did I write it down? I'm almost positive this is not real. He said it was at the end of the dream segment. What did he say? Oh, as Shakespeare said, today's dream is tomorrow's reality. I want to look this up right now. I Googled it because I was like, that doesn't sound like Shakespeare at all. He says Shakespeare wrote, today's dream is tomorrow's reality. I Googled it because I was like, this does not sound like a Shakespeare quote. Could not. Shakespeare said had, has quotes about dreams. That one does not appear to be an, at least a notable one. <laughs> Maybe oh, it is. So weird. I don't know. Maybe I. Also, okay. Shakespeare gets credit for like coining a lot of phrases that were actually already in speech. They just hadn't been written down before. So whenever your English teacher told you that, you know, basically every single idiom we say Shakespeare made up, it's like, no, he didn't make it up. He just wrote it down. <laughs> Quite true. Otherwise, his plays would make no sense. People would be in the audience be like, what the hell is he talking about? Which is how we feel now. But at the time, people knew. Uh, anyway. 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 So Robert Stack gets, I don't know, a sideways? Thumb sideways? Yeah, that's a sideways. Uh, he seemed like he was in a good mood, though. He did. I'll say yeah. that. He was pretty chipper. Okay, so... Does that make sense? You know how I know Robert Stack, how we're personal, intimate friends? Well, I could tell. He woke up on the right side of the bed. <laughs> should uh, we... Yeah, we should have we to rate, rate the it. episode? Horrible. Two out of five. His reenactments and voice was killing me? Does that work? <laughs> The reenactments and mysteries are killing you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Robert Stack's voice and reenactments are killing me, but I wish I was dead, so it's a good thing. <laughs> no, actually, I feel like this is three and a half. This is a middle-of-the-road episode, I would say. It's middle-of-the-road, but not, but but leaning towards good. Yeah. I, so I, I would, agree with I would that say assessment. three and a half. I agree. I actually liked the dream segment. They were the most interesting dreams, but I'm just... I know there's this idea out there that no one wants to hear about your dreams but i actually do so i just kind of liked it as a topic yeah i liked it too um and i I like yeah it's good variety to this episode we dreams serial killer 
lost love and in an interesting lost love one we haven't seen that of that type before and then a fraud that's a really nice blend it's a it's a bit it, i'm i was half happy i just combined the words happy and grateful i was hapful <laughs> for a episode that wasn't a hundred percent true crime i needed Said samantha always so hapful yeah i needed something that was you know yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't paranormal but it seems like we're getting paranormal next week so i'm fine with it I mean, I, maybe the dreams thing is paranormal. It's kind of not. It's kind of just like, yeah. who knows? Unex- who knows? Unexplained phenomena. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a rating. Um, Recommendations. Are you going to recommend that Brazilian dancer you're thirsty for? <laughs> no, and you're going to cut that out. Okay. I actually thought I didn't have a recommendation, but then I realized I have a great recommendation. Okay. Which is that friend of the pod, Kara, teaches an online yoga class on Sundays, and everybody should take it with me because it's great. I've been doing it every Sunday. It's at noon, central time, through your computer. It's a Zoom class. She just teaches it, and then you do it in like your bedroom or your living room or whatever. Is she still doing the Wednesday night classes, too? think though just the sundays we should should make her do that though because i would like to do it um yeah sundays at noon and it's appropriate for beginners it's it's pretty slow paced it's it's more on the relaxing side and i mean you can always skip stuff you don't want to do or don't feel comfortable doing or whatever but um she gives lots of modifications and it's just been a delightful part of my quarantine experience the class i went to and i keep forgetting every Wednesday comes around and I take a nap instead. But I did go to a class of hers and I really enjoyed it. And everyone had their cameras off. So really, you if at one point in the class you just want to be in corpse pose and just listen to Kara's soothing voice. Oh uh, yeah. You don't have to do anything. You, you can, can just lie there. Totally do that. And it's very nice. Highly recommend. pay what you want through Venmo. So um, I mean, I would recommend sending some money her way, but you know it's up to you how much that is uh yeah it's been great so if you're interested in that i'm gonna post that event in our facebook group so that'll be a way that you can find it if you want to join me on sundays great recommendation if you've been wanting to try yoga i think it would be appropriate to start and if you just you know need a little instruction and a little guidance to make you actually do it which is how i always feel then that's a good thing too i love it so that is my recommendation. <laughs> I am recommending a YouTube channel called The Show Must Go On. Um, oh, okay. Th- this is, I believe, you a project by Universal. Uh, and their shtick for their YouTube channel is that they're bringing uh, musical theater from the stage to the screen. So I just discovered this this week. Uh, they are, they release like various clips occasionally of different performances, but what they're doing at the moment is every Friday airing, um, full length 
Broadway musicals. They're doing Andrew Lloyd Webber. Ah. They're doing seven Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals. And unfortunately, if you're just learning about this now, like I just learned about that this this week, you've missed a few. Uh, They only air them for 48 hours because of copyright. Uh, So they go up like Friday morning Uh. and they come down like Sunday evening or something like that. Um, And so if you don't know about this, you've missed Joseph. Jesus Christ Superstar, which was Easter weekend, and Phantom of the Opera. I watched Phantom of the Opera uh-huh. yesterday, which is my favorite so musical. You, Liz which knows. Is, this is how you heard about this, I assume. I assume you found this because you were working on some <laughs> new Phantom of the Opera fanfic to include in our perhaps it's Eugene, which no, would see, be I never, I never wrote Phantom of the Opera fanfiction. I only read it and okay, well, now secretly printed it on our family's printer. Now's uh, the time. Write your first... Phantom of the Opera fanfic. We'll put it in the zine. And I assume you were doing research and then you were like, oh, I could watch this live. The thing about Phantom of the Opera, I think this was, I think someone was watching this and tweeting about it because I saw this tweet that was basically when I was a teenager, I thought the Phantom from Phantom of the Opera was so sexy. And as an adult watching the musical, I realized it's just about an incel. Which is like <laughs> really true. I don't have the same lust that I had as a horny teenager watching Fan of the Opera. However, it is still one of my favorite musicals. And they aired the 25th anniversary show, um, which was extremely well done. It was very stunning. I really, really enjoyed watching the full length musical from my couch. Uh, It is a fundraiser. I believe they're raising money for various um, funds that are supporting out-of-worked actors and actresses. Oh, cool. Um, So you can donate. They, like, partner with different groups. And I don't know the lineup. So so we've missed... Okay, I watched one. If you are just learning about this, you've missed three. Uh, I don't know. They're doing seven total, and I I don't know the line. It seems like they're announcing it week by week. If... When I'm editing this, they've announced this week's... Because if you're listening to this on Thursday, there's going to be one out tomorrow. So if you like musical theater, check it out. But I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be an Andrew Lloyd Webber. Don't know what. But I'll edit it in if they've announced it. Hi, editing Samantha here. I told you that I would let you know if they announced this week's show. They have. And it's going to be Andrew Lloyd Webber's sequel to The Phantom of the Opera called Love Never Dies. So enjoy, fellow musical theater nerds. Okay, back to the show. Do you think they'll do that one on roller skates? Uh, that would be my pick. They are doing, and I've never seen it, they are doing By Jeeves, which Andrew Lloyd Webber calls his disaster musical because it like famously flopped, but then they redid it or he redid it and then it was like critically acclaimed. I've never seen it. So that is one of them. It's gonna, they're I didn't gonna even know do, that existed. I've, I've heard of it, but never seen it. Uh, that's going to be one of the remaining. Um, but we, I don't know what the additional lineup is going to be. So we'll see. What are you, what are you hoping? Um, I don't know. I sort of suspect they're going to do cats, but I don't know why I think that. Um, uh, no, they're definitely going to do cats <laughs> because everybody's crazy about cats and how weird it is. That's true. And I, I think maybe that's just at the forefront of my mind because the, that movie was out recently. But Oh, also, that was one of the fake psychic husbands was someone got Idris Elba, but in cats. <laughs> as your future husband so funny so funny uh yeah i don't know what i'm hoping for uh we'll see what he's doing i would have said phantom of the opera but that well they already aired that one so uh we'll see you would have said that even if the question was nothing about andrew lloyd (laughs) weber you were just like 
Well, obviously. I don't know. Phantom Who's your opera. true love? You'd be like Phantom of the Opera. Just the, the Phantom. Just the whole musical. Yeah. No, the Phantom <laughs> specifically. If you had asked teenage Samantha, I would have said that for sure. But like That's that person, like that random person on Twitter, I sort of watch it as an adult. Like, wow, this is. It's funny how. Well, just how old were you at this point? Not, I was middle school, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. See, it's funny how that, like, your concept of romance at that age is, like, so skewed and weird. Like, ooh, dark and mysterious. Yeah. It has, like, nothing to do with the the real life or the person you will become. It's very funny to me. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, check that out if you're at home looking for something to get you through these dark times. Okay. Or draw a picture of her future husband. Yeah. That have would a psychic be, vision honestly that would be something to submit to the zine oh if you do that i absolutely want it for the zine if you draw who my if you have a psychic vision and draw who my future husband will be we'll put it in there when you divorce mac and marry idris yeah. alba but as a cat you can't pick you can't pick that that one's already someone's husband yeah it has to be a different thing it can't be a furby that's smoking a fuckboy furby i think it was <laughs> and it can't be and <laughs> it can't be Idris Elba, but he's always in cats. <sighs> yeah, the fact that we're both married is inconsequential to these psychic visions. Yeah. Unless you just draw a picture of Mac, I guess. No one's going to be able to find a picture of him because even his Facebook profile is just a frog. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so no so one knows you, what Mac you will like. ha- You will have to have a psychic vision in order to do that. Based on his voice, maybe you could draw what you think Mac looks like. <gasps> I would love that so much. Please do. Submit it please. to the zine. Please. Pretty please. <laughs> Pretty please with a cherry on top. All right. We've come to the end of our show. Okay. We should probably plug our shit. Look, there's social media. Some of it's called Twitter. Some of it's called We hit a Facebook. big milestone on Twitter. You should mention that. Oh, that's true. We have finally passed the we have finally passed the threshold of a thousand followers. Congratulations to Liz who runs our Twitter. Is that something a teenager could have done in probably a weekend? Yes. But but I couldn't have done it. So I'm impressed. It's taken us literally years. I was really waiting for 999 because it's like 666 but better. The devil must like it more. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, we have passed that that threshold. So in, in case I offend a lot of people, by some argument I get in and we lose a bunch of followers, which is possible. We are oh, currently over the 1000 mark. Nice. And Samantha runs our Instagram. And Not really. Cause I hardly ever post anymore, but occasionally I do. Uh, yeah. Check out Instagram, uh, Facebook, our Facebook group. If you're playing Animal Crossing, yes. come over. We want to hear about it. But you can talk about other things, too. Uh, yeah, it's not It's not actually an Animal Crossing group, so you're not, not limited to that topic of conversation. Yet. It's not yet, not yet an Animal Crossing group. When Samantha starts her Animal Crossing podcast. The crossover podcast group. Like, My Favorite Murder has 14,000 crossover groups. Yeah. So ours is perhaps it's crossing. And... <laughs> That's right. That's where perhaps it's you fans talking about Animal Crossing. <laughs> no, people stumble upon that group and are like, "What the fuck is this?" Perhaps it's Crossing. But <laughs> well, you know how people end up in my favorite mo- murder crossover groups because they'll just be called my favorite, you know, whatever the group is. Yeah. And so then there's nothing about the podcast or murder in the name, and so they're just like, 
oh, uh, pickled onions. I love those. I'll join this group. And then they'll be like, what's a podcast? It's like, that's, that's, group, that's what this group is for. People are like, what? Is there a group called My Favorite Pickled Onions? <laughs> I love pickled onions and I want to join it. Never, the My Favorite Burger thing, whatever. <laughs> you just want to be in a pickled onions group. Someone well, add me to My Favorite Pickled Onions. You need to be in a crossover group for Animal Crossing. Uh, Phantom of the Opera and Pickled Onions. So specific that I'm the only one in the group. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be in Phantom Crossing. But the logo is somehow the Phantom of the Opera wearing a perhaps it's you hat and eating a pickled onion. Just one pickled onion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, we have really lost it. Okay, so our email is perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. We have a website, perhaps it's you.com, that has the recommendations on it. It also has a form you can use to contact us. Again, I very feel very strongly about this. We only accept five-star <laughs> reviews. But you can give those to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Podcast Attic now has their own thing for leaving reviews you can leave it there too cool yeah you can criticize our podcast i guess but it has to be five stars it has to be in the form of a five-star review and uh god what else do we say i don't know i don't I know i think that's it i forget. we're gonna make a patreon content oh song. yeah <laughs> give us money we're doing, it's very important yeah, uh, we're doing celebrity ghost stories it's gonna be our bonus episode this month yeah and a dollar a month will get you access to our back catalog which i think we're up to like 26 bonus episodes or something now so i mean if you're really struggling to find things to listen to give us a dollar you'll get a lot yeah it's a great you'll deal. be you'll be entertained for sure yeah by us you're perhaps it's you cool mystery ants okay i think that's wow good. this has taken like a lot out of me <laughs> I suddenly just like let out a breath and realized that I had no energy left. So good thing this is over. I'm going to eat a snack and take a nap. Goodbye. All right. (laughs) And I'm dead.